This is Chris Godwin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com and the Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet at RosterWatch.com, available now, where if you follow the three simple rules, an expert quality draft is always guaranteed. Joining me today here for the second podcast of the day, busy, busy, busy day, by is Byron Lambert. He's been at Jaguars camp. He was, uh, just, he was just recently at Bucks camp. So, Byron, we're going to get all the information from you. What the hell's going on, brother? Alex, I feel like myself again, back on the road at training camps. It's, yeah. uh, it's invigorating this time of year. It's, it's kind of just what I do at this point. So, uh, it's good to let a dog hunt, right? How, how does the hotel thing work in the age of COVID? Do you have to wear a mask up to your room? And then once you get in there, you can kind of take it off. I sure as hell hope so. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've been doing. I mean, I just same rules everywhere I go, gym, restaurants, everywhere. You kind of wear the mask anywhere you're walking around or if you get up from your seat and you have to walk through like, you know, the, the public thoroughfares or whatever. But, uh, otherwise, you know, once you're seated eating or, you know, I, I suppose once you're in your hotel room doing a recording, a live podcast, you, you can take your mask off. Yeah, I think it's okay. I, th- I, I think you're going to be safe. All right, well, let's start out. Start out with Tampa Bay. Um, just your general. I mean, I guess the only place that you can really start with that. And I know we talked a little bit about it on on the serious show, but you know, the only place that you that you can start is with Tom Brady. How does he look? What's it like having having uh, Captain America down there in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform? Yeah, I mean, he looked like himself. I thought he looked pretty spry, had good pop to his arm. The arm was there. It was good. I left impressed with that. Uh, Definitely enough to get Tom Brady up a little bit in my quarterback rankings. He's a guy I'll personally uh, definitely be targeting in my own leagues late in drafts. And I think the thing that impressed me the most, and you're starting to hear a few other guys that have been at training camp this last day or so come out with it, um, poised, in control, uh, you know, I know they're still learning, but didn't it seemed very comfortable out there, calm. Bruce Arians is, you know, yelling a bunch of expletives and, you know, he's pretty fired up out there. But um, it's interesting because with no fans there or anything, it's it's such an odd year. It's kind of a quiet time at camp. But, um, you know, I think it stands to reason they got a good roster in Tampa on both sides of the ball. And overall, I left thinking this is going to be a a pretty darn good team uh, for the Buccaneers, a good offense. And I'm definitely going to want parts of it in my fantasy league. So yeah, Tom Brady, I mean, if he's still learning, you would never know it. I'll put it that way, Alex. All right. So, so Brady's Brady's Brady. He's going to be fine. I want to talk about how he's going to affect the pass catchers in a minute, but there's just been so much talk about the backfield and with the selection of Keyshawn Vaughn, that was something that, 
in the draft community and in the fantasy community, we saw that happen, and it was sort of like putting two and two together. Maybe there wasn't the faith in Ronald Jones that you go out and you get a guy that was really on his own team, pretty prolific from a pass-catching perspective. If you just look at it from a pure market share angle, I mean, a higher market share of his team's receptions than even um, Clyde Edwards-Elaire had last year was what what Keyshawn Vaughn had for for that Vanderbilt team. So a guy who could pass-catch, a guy who could pass-protect, you bring him in, felt like there was a pretty good runway there for a player that you were super high on his talent coming in. But – Man, it just feels like there's been this dubious praise lately where we've been talking about how he's going to contribute on special teams and everything like that. How do you see this shaking out? Ronald Jones, um, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, Dario Gumbawale, and I, I guess I guess LaShawn McCoy's mummified corpse is still kicking around out there too. What, what do you think? How do the running backs look? What what can we expect? I mean, Ronald Jones has, a, has an ADP that's risen from – you know, seventh round. Now we're seeing him go in the fifth round of some of these, uh, some of these drafts. And I think you've even seen him go a little bit higher than that. So what, like, what is it? What, like, what, what does it look like out there? Well, first things first, Alex, the offensive line looked really pretty good for the bucks. So, you know, if we're going to assess the team in general, the offense in general, fantasy prospects across the board, but clearly, especially the running backs, uh, we have a that top, was a very pos- positive we have sign. number 12 on our offensive line rankings for our pro members at roster watch. I, just, I thought that was wild. But if you look at it, the pieces they have, they put, I mean, they got like all uh, Ali Morpet and Alex Kappa and, um, you know, Tristan Trist- Smith, first Donovan rounder, Smith, Tristan Wirfs, who we love. So, it's a good yeah. young, and that's the thing. It's a young, it's a good young offensive line. So impressed there. I like the way that forebodes for the, running backs, Alex. And then, you know, you started with Vaughn. So I'll start with Vaughn. Um, I, you know, right off the top, I think he definitely looks like the prospect that we thought he was. And he, he definitely one day could be the best running back in Tampa, at least out of the current group. Um, I think the reason you're hearing about special teams for Keyshawn Vaughn is because TJ Logan blew out his knee, patellar tendon the day I was there. And, um, that opens the door for somebody like Vaughn to potentially have to fill that type of role. And speaking of injuries, I think that's what it's going to take. If you're realistic or practical about this scenario, at least at the outset, it's going to take more injuries for Keyshawn Vaughn to be relevant early in the season. Again, that's not to say that he, he may already be the most talented back in Tampa as some of us may have expected. Um, But currently, you know, if I had to project, I'd say, maybe a couple of touches a game to begin the season. And then if, you know, opportunity uh, presents itself as logic would dictate and he gets a chance to showcase his talent on what appears to be potentially a very good offense, I think he could turn into a flex type player as the season goes on. I don't know if it could be a James White or or whatnot, but if he starts going 10, 12 touches, I think that's going to be later in the season, though, if we don't get another injury to somebody like Dare Agunbawale or LaShawn McCoy. Now, that said, Dare Agunbawale, he's kind of a jack of all trades. They like him. He's a decent player, but he just doesn't offer any juice really after – you know, after he gets what he's supposed to. So I think he's just a very limited player and eventually talent is going to win out when it comes to, uh, you know, the situation with him and then LaShawn McCoy, Alex is pretty much exactly what I thought we saw last year in Kansas city. I saw it in real life. I mean, 
I say it over and over. He's still got that kind of quick pitter patter to his feet, to his style. And I think it makes him, it's deceptive. I think it makes him look quicker than he really is. I didn't see the lateral, uh, you know, lateral agility. I didn't see the burst, especially after contact, um, even on the sleds. He doesn't have the same lower body. I mean, Vaughn and Ronald Jones have really, they're really bulked up in the lower body. You know, similar guys. Vaughn's on the roster, I think, at 210, 211. Rojo's on the roster at 208. Similar heights, I think he about is? 511 or so. Ronald Jones is 208 on that yeah. roster. And, and even and after Ronald all that Jones reporting looked- that he came in, like it's 220-something. It's crazy. Well, that's it, what's on the roster. He's rocked yeah. up, dude. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if those guys are a little bigger, but you know his frame. We've seen Ronald Jones. He's not a natural 220-pounder. I, I think 210 makes a lot more sense. You remember how his weight yo-yoed before the combine and before his pro day right, yeah. um, uh, back then. And so uh, Ronald Jones looks very sturdy. He looks very sturdy, well-built, sturdy, good between the tackles runner, getting yards after contact, uh, you know, based on what I saw, clear lead guy in that running back room. I mean, a large degree of separation, Alex, um, getting, I'd say 90, 95% of the relevant or significant first team snaps, especially with Brady while I was there. Uh, Ronald Jones never going to look like an uber natural uh, pass catcher, but I think with him we got to kind of just look at the bottom line, which is that, he caught just about everything that came his way. He had one egregious drop in the red zone, but other than that, he caught everything that came his way. And so, you know, based on the way the season should, should, should begin, I think he's even going to be getting the pass receptions. And again, this is a good offensive line. And I think it's going to be a good offense and a good team um, that's able to stay in games and still uh, ring up the points. Um, So, you know, I think it's funny. I thought a little bit about what we talked about yesterday with Cam Akers. It's a little bit of the inverse. So I said, like, in an ideal world, you would draft Cam Akers as an RB4, and he's going to turn into an RB3, right? Like, it's probably not going to happen, but kind of ideal world. I think Ronald Jones is kind of the opposite. It's getting to the point where you're going to have to consider drafting him in an RB2 in the next week or two. But I think he's going to devolve to an RB3. So it's not, I don't I don't love to be on that side of things. But I think the that's fact just is, right. I think that's a good way to describe what's going on here with Ronald Jones. I think that's just right. The fact is, I think Ronald Jones really is going to be an RB2 out of the box. What this tells me is, as I take in recent intelligence, you know, we're still very bullish on getting three running backs, probably in like the first five rounds or so of our drafts. We were loading up pretty early the first month or this last month or so. I do think at this point, you want some exposure across the portfolio. So I think you start to divest a little bit of the Leonard Fournette through Melvin Gordon type group. And you start to up your exposure a little bit to the Ronald Jones, the David Montgomery, I think perhaps I think the cam makers. You're speaking a little bit in our language. And just so they, un- people, the, the people understand you're saying, if you divest to those assets, what you're saying is if you have that early fourth round pick and one of these running backs falls, you, you've gone maybe you know, a couple running backs early or whatever, at that point in time, you can start looking at the Allen Robinsons or the Adam Thielens or the Calvin Ridleys or those types of players, because this new sub tier has begun to exist a little bit after that. Right. Yeah. You're going to want to increase the variance of, of exposure from like round three through five between your running backs and your wide receivers. Um, I, I think is what we're going to see here. There's some real, there's some fine guys that, 
are emerging. So uh, that's the way I see it. You know, so originally I always thought Ronald Jones, especially based on what we saw last year is kind of a 15 touch per game guy, Alex, I truly think, man, I won't be shocked if he's 20 touches early in the season. I mean, I'd say at least 18. So on that offense with probably a good amount of touchdown equity, some receiving equity, uh, I think he's, I think he really, if you need him, if you get in a bind and you have to draft him RB two, the, the good news is I think he is going to perform as one early, you know, that said, if Vaughn gets the opportunity that he should, I could see this thing devolving to 15, 16 touches a game for Ronald Jones later in the season. Maybe that thing's starting to equalize a little bit. And then last but not least, when we're talking about the running backs, um, you know, the TJ Logan injury, I think what you see with McCoy, with Dari, Agunba Wale, I, I think we're seeing it with the Miles Sanders injury in Philly. I, 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 I still haven't put it out of my mind. These were two of the teams earlier in the offseason that we thought might be candidates to take a look at Devontae Freeman. I'm not saying I have any intel there, but that's the one other thing I will watch out for here is, you know, do, do they do they circle back on a veteran like him? The 2020 Roster Watch Draft Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet is back. Just follow the three simple rules and an expert quality draft is guaranteed. That's it. Three simple rules. It doesn't get any easier. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. Just bring along the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet to your draft and dominate. It's only $5.99. Download now at rosterwatch.com. It's the ultimate draft cheat sheet only at rosterwatch.com. What about the wide receivers? Mike Evans, how does that connection look? I know people, maybe right, maybe, I don't know if it's wrongly. I'm not sure if it's rightly. I just don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that Tom Brady's fallen off in the same way that like a Philip Rivers has fallen off with his arm, but people certain, or even Drew Brees to some degree, people kind of act like Tom Brady might not be the downfield thrower that he used to be before. And that's clearly where Mike Evans gets his bread buttered. Whereas, you know, Tom Brady has always looked at sort of these big sort of monster contested catch Gronkowski like guys. And I want to ask you about Gronk down in the red zone that could, you know, if this team's better and the offense is better, the offensive line is better, and Tom Brady is the quarterback, it just kind of goes without saying that they'll be down in the red zone more often. And Mike Evans should be a beneficiary of that. He's been a great player for his entire career thus far. But Chris Godwin has the built-in, like the two built-in things, with um, not only the fact that Bruce Arians loves using the slot wide receiver and that that's the Heinz Ward role, the Larry Fitzgerald role, the Chris Godwin 2019 role, and you add on that Tom Brady, he always loves throwing to his Welkers and his Edelmans and these guys kind of, you know, over the middle, down underneath and stuff. So Godwin, it would seem just the way the natural order of things goes that maybe Godwin, and this shows in the ADP, you know, Godwin is the guy who people might be, leaning toward of having to choose between one or the other. Just what are your thoughts about each of those guys and, and how the connection with Tom Brady looked to you? Yeah. Mike Evans on a hall of fame trajectory in his career. I'm certainly not backing off the year that he gets Tom Brady, a true alpha dog out there always has been since we've scouted him coming out of a and M you can, you could tell he's one of the dominant forces on that team. He's one of the true leaders of that team. And, you know, look, I thought Tom Brady looked plenty capable of distributing the ball to all of his 
impressive weapons on this offense. And it looks like he also has the intention to deliver it to all those weapons. I think the coaches have the intention to design that into the game plan. When we think about Mike Evans, Alex, even though he's a kind of a big X that can stretch the field and we know he's one of the fastest guys in the league. Once he gets out in the open with that long stride on a, in a, in a, you know, over a long stretch of field, he can get, you know, go over that 20 mile an hour mark uh, when they track him with the GPS sensors. The thing about Evans though, is he's way more of like, hit him on some kind of 18, 20 yard dig, something along those lines. That's how you get the ball to him downfield. It's not necessarily, you know, bombing it 40 yards down the sideline on a vertical, like you might be doing to uh, DJ Chark or Hollywood Brown or, you know, somebody like that. So what I saw to Tom Brady is he's plenty capable of those deep intermediate routes, getting the ball there on time with velocity. I think the only question about Brady is, you know, is that, is that going to fade as the season goes? Will his arm fatigue at all? You know, we, it's hard to know. We can't really bake that in. It looks good right now. So I think Brady's plenty capable of serving up to Mike Evans. And again, I mean, especially when he's the Bucks wide receiver that I can draft later and get even you know more value on, I think he's, he's just fine. You know, he's, he, he's just fine. It's not going to be, uh, I'm not sure, you know, we'll see. Can this team score enough points that he can be more consistent than he was last year? Or is it still going to be just the week to week kind of big outbreaks for Mike Evans? I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, good value. Hard to put him up there with the other elite guys right now um, because of the other mouths defeat. But I think that's fine. Godwin, you know, there's a lot of hype around Godwin, so I don't think this surprises anybody. But this is our second year in a row to see Godwin live, and I really want to reinforce the fact that Chris Godwin is a beast, man. He is a physical beast and a really natural wide receiver. So he looked good. Um, if I had to pick, I would say it does look like Brady probably feed that him a little bit more. I think that makes sense. And it's all baked in, uh, as you said. So, you know, either of the bucks wide receivers are fine. Like you and I talked about offline. It, it does feel a little bit weird for people, you know, to press the draft button on Chris Godwin in round two of their drafts. Um, that makes you a little bit goosey, but if that's who you take. I think he's fine. I think he's just fine, Alex. So, um, and then behind him, it's Scotty Miller versus Justin Watson uh, versus uh, the rookie Tyler Johnson, I believe, out of Minnesota, Alex. Uh, it yeah. looks like those guys are competing for the three, four, five spots. At this point, if I had to handicap it, Scotty Miller looks like the three, which, you know, meshes with what we know about Brady that you outlined kind of the, the guys he wants to throw to. Uh, but truth be told, I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, which means we're going to see just a lot of two wider receiver sets to get the best players on the field uh, and cater to Brady's, uh, you know, uh, talents, Alex. Okay. So there there's been clearly people are excited about Gronkowski because he's fun to interview and it's awesome to see him out there. He's always having fun and, you know, giving the media great sound bites and plus he's Gronk. I mean, you, you said on Twitter that he, you could envision a role of, Gronkowski sort of playing a role that's similar to the role that Antonio Gates played when he came back for that final season with Phillip Rivers, which was just a sort of situational role, red zone, third downs, that kind of stuff. So where does Gronk fit in the pecking order? How does OJ Howard look? I mean, who is, is, is Gronk look, look, I mean, 
Are you, are you saying you don't think Gronk's going to be an every down player? And if not, is OJ Howard an every down player? And if they're in 12, like you're talking about, is that Gronk and OJ Howard? Is that, I mean, is Cam Brate still mix, mixing in? What's going on with the tight ends? Yeah, so OJ Howard's the type of player that's always going to look really good in a practice setting, Alex. You know that. So, of course, he looked good. The thing that stood out to me when it came to OJ Howard is that he received the lion's share of targets with the first team and with Brady uh, at the tight end position during practice. All is there kind of similar to what I said about Ronald Jones, like a big margin of separation there between him and the other guys. Um, yes. Cameron Brate's still going to be involved. What I foresee out of Gronkowski is exactly as you alluded to. Um, I see a late career, Antonio Gates type role for Gronkowski. Now that said, I I think he looks better athletically than a late career Antonio Gates, but he didn't look like himself from five plus years ago. Like uh, no one like, does. Like, like Bruce, no one looks like like Bruce Arians is trying to outline. I mean, you can see it clear as day, even on some of the videos floating around on Twitter right now, when you see Howard and Gronk running the same routes, it's just so, you know, and I just don't buy this talk either that they're going to, keep monitor Gronk's snaps, valuable snaps in valuable, you know, limited uh, practice settings during training camp that they're going to keep the monitor those to keep those real low to all of a sudden just unshackle them for monster snap counts during the season. I don't buy uh, that narrative. I see a guy who's going to, you know, he's capable of playing at any given time and maybe there's games. He'll get a lot of snap counts, but I see a guy that's preparing to play, in the red zone on third down and critical game situations. Um, when I, when I look at Gronkowski and that's kind of, you know, what I heard from the insiders there as well. So the chatter I heard was, you know, over under Gronkowski, 650, 700 yards, eight touchdowns this season. I think that sounds just about right because Probably I left fine. thinking that it's fine. I left thinking that Gronk would still be the Buccaneers tight end that I would draft this year. But I think we need to temper our expectations that he's more of like a low-end tight end one, which when you zoom out, anybody in the industry knows, like after the top five or six guys, there's such a little degree degree of difference between the next ten guys. They're kind of almost all tight end twos at that point. The difference is you're getting Gronk, you're getting Brady, you're getting a good team uh, that you're buying into here. So, you know, I think if you end up with Gronk late, it's fine, but that's where you need to take him late once you're – to that point of your draft where you're looking at cultivating um, from really this bevy of, of, of really intriguing uh, depth of tight end talent late in our drafts, Alex. There, there is a lot, and I'm not sure which pot will come out first. This one I just did with Justin Boone from the score or this one that you and I are doing, but we, we, we got into it a little bit. There's just a ton of these guys to like to tight end 24 that you can look at. So if you get Gronk, it's fine, but I did move him down on the, on the cheat sheet to where, um, you know, to where we're only going to take him if he falls is just an excellent value. I don't think that there's there's any point knowing what we know now of in any way reaching to get Rob. Yeah, like, I'm taking Jared Cook over Gronk at this point for sure. And um, you know, it's interesting because you know I tend to think we're going to win in this scenario because of our intelligence, because of our tools at Roster Watch, and you know, just because of our record at Roster Watch, but. It does raise an interesting point. There's so many potential tight end flyers that could come into vogue this year that on one hand, it's it's like, okay, the supply is so much larger than the demand that there's no rational way that 
you can do anything but draft a tight end late. And then you'll figure it out as the season goes on. If you didn't hit on the guys you drafted, right. we'll find a way using the waiver wire cheat sheet to scoop one, whoever the next guy is going to be up, you know, this year's will Disley or whatever in short order. And we'll make our, Hey, that way that said it, you know, I think that'll work, but it's also, there's going to be so many of them. It could be hard to choose any given time. It does make me start to think, you know, you know, and I, you and I talked a little yesterday, yesterday, how, you know, I'm starting to warm up on a guy like Darren Waller, a, kind of a quasi elite option. If he falls to me late enough in drafts, I, I do think that this brings that into focus a little bit too. But it's going to be so it's going to be difficult to figure out who that guy is going to be this year. Well, it, uh, it's one one team that's going to be, I don't know, diff, difficult, easy. Um, certainly, the Leonard Fournette thing is a little bit difficult to figure out. Let's just talk about the Jaguars. And what you able you were able to see today what, was Fournette out there? Yeah, so I'll be back uh, tomorrow. So what occurred at Jags camp today, and this was unannounced. The, the coaches they are just loving this off season. The oh, they don't have to tell anybody anything. Yeah. yeah, and and trust me, I can already tell that it's up to the football guys in this league. This thing's never going back to the way that it used to be. Now I know well, the business guys. It's, in the it's not up to the fucking football guys. It's up to the business guys because they need the money. They're gonna have media back <laughs> out at these things. I'm not worried. I'm not. I'm not. It's um, like they they can't just. Of course these of course these tyrannical fucking coaches are are trying to are trying to keep everybody out and hide their players for the practice squads and just do the most cockamamie things that they possibly can under the cover of COVID. But they aren't going to be. This is a money-making operation. This is a for-profit business. The media is going to it's be like I was telling. Here. I was telling Hanson and Lisa Ann the other day. I said, "Don't you know that Bill Belichick planted that question in the media about the uh, quarterback platoon?" <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. It's, I just think those are the kind of things going on right now, right? A million. Um, yeah. So there was no criteria for or announcement for the players that sat out of practice today or that were unavailable did not participate at least in you know from from what everybody could see but i figured out by the end of practice that it was 18 starters that were not participating today so pretty quickly i figured out that basically they were sitting the starters today um that was the vast majority of folks who didn't participate they had a scrimmage on saturday so maybe that has something to do with it so my first takeaway alex was well, Chris Thompson didn't participate today. So that means if I'm my rationale prevails here that the team clearly views Chris Thompson and, as and a starter or quasi starter or you know, he's gotten he's had his injury history so he's a maintenance veteran too. too. Old and fragile too. Yeah, a maintenance veteran as well. But to, just, that could be it, but I mean, I'll put it this way. All the other starters that were out, the Fournettes, uh, the men shoot all these these people. None of them have injuries that are known to anybody. None of them are guys that have ever been known to miss practice before. So, without further explanation, it really did just appear that the team was basically sitting the starters today. And so, again, Chris, Chris Tonti could fall into the veteran maintenance category, but to me, it speaks a little bit of something that they view him maybe as a potential oh, um, important so. piece of this offense. Now, behind that, uh, the biggest takeaway is, man, Alex, this is, you know, especially for draft nicks like us, this is just an, a running back depth chart that we absolutely love at Roster Watch. I love coming out here and seeing the Divine Zigbos, the Ryquel Armsteads, uh, our guy, the James Robinsons from Illinois this year. I mean, all deep running back 
draft sleepers that we've uncovered in recent years. We've just done so much work on all these players. We've known they profiled as good players. They've kind of been, you know, they've, it's been tough for them because these last few running back classes have been so deep. So, I mean, this was an opportunity for them to showcase the young talent that they've accumulated in the backfield here in Jacksonville. And you quickly see why they just, you know, there's no way that logic can dictate that they can continue on with Leonard Fournette after this season, because, you know, look, he's better than any of those guys are individually. But when you look at Robinson, when you look at a Zigbo, when you look at Armstead, these are guys who offer similar capabilities um, to, to Fournette. And, you know, it's a very cheap, very young, uh, very good young platoon there. So a Zigbo, I would say had the slight edge. It looked like he was running at the head of that group today. And I tell you, Alex, he looks like a muscle car out there. And what I mean by that is he looks, he looks sleek. He looks powerful. He got that he second looks, NFL puberty after his, after his looks, game. He looks sturdy. That's a big boy, <laughs> but he's built athletically. He can move. Yeah. I mean, you know that he, he, he had breakaway runs. What was it? At Nebraska. So, um, but Armstead right there with them. So I'd call those guys two, a two B or three, a three B. I suppose if you want to call Thompson, the two Robinson and the rookie absolute dog and pass protection. I think he probably, I don't, you do, know, do, it's going to be tough if five running backs make the team, but I, you, I, the way it looks is man, that's, I would imagine this, they got to want to at least try to somehow find a way to get him to the practice, practice squad. squad. I mean, he, he looks pretty good and he, you know, you forget he can catch the ball. I mean, he's got a little speed. Uh, he's a guy you like at the bottom uh, of the depth chart. So, you know, I think tomorrow having seen the Jaguar, this is my fourth year in a row at Jaguars camp. Um, last year was in Baltimore with joint practices, but the other three years I've been out here to Jacksonville. I know what a full blown Leonard Fournette, practice looks like I actually think this is going to give me a great opportunity to compare what I saw today with tomorrow and get a real handle, um, you know, on this thing. But based on what I saw today, I mean, I just think, look, we know Fournette's the kind of guy that gets much better with volume. So I'm going to have to go back and look exactly what his touches per game, his workload ended up being last year. I mean, he's a guy we still have to pray gets 20 touches a, a game, but I'll tell you, I don't think it's going to go a single touch, over that this year based on uh, the other guys uh, in the stable. And the other thing, Alex, you know, we hear, we still hear chatter about it. Uh, we, we've heard more chatter about if something happens in season, but I'll tell you what, you know, my other takeaway is if there is another major running back in injury anywhere else in the league during training camp or before the season starts, I think you can bet your damn bottom dollar that, uh, the Jaguars will be picking up the phone behind closed door and seeing if they can still get a deal done for Leonard Fournette. Okay. Well, that's certainly interesting to know. Uh, what about, was there anything else you could take away just judging on the lack of starters? Like did, did they let LaVisca Chenault out there? Did he get the, did he get the day off? Yeah, they let Chenault loose. I mean, he's like the lead guy of, everybody that was out there today. I mean, if you were drafting a player based on physical appearance alone, LaVisca Chanel would be a first round pick. He looks like an AJ Brown or a Cordero Patterson physically out there. He was moving around. They got him the short stuff. They got him the deep stuff. Uh, they got him the red zone stuff today had a drop or two that I thought, you know, we got to keep an eye on. So, I mean, it wasn't a perfect practice for him, but he's just a guy that pops off the field um, that it, he ha- he definitely has a role in this league. And 
He looks like a great fit in Jacksonville, and it looks like the team intends on integrating him early and often as a rookie, Alex. So uh, LaVisca Chenault, a rookie wide receiver, I will definitely be targeting in my own leagues. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.